and welcome to this week's POI podcast. I'm your host, Peter Pearce. This week's topic is the unification of Ireland. In the article, all three of the writers were pro the unification, discussing the different merits, possibilities, and even practicality of such a thing in regards to societal differences between the North and the Republic and in reference to the EU. Today on our podcast, we have for the Conservatives, Alex Dennis, for the Liberals, Jeeves Sidhu, and for Labour, Henry McKeever. My first question goes out to Alex. Do you agree with the Conservative stance of unification of Ireland? I think I do. I think I do. I, ultimately, my, my personal opinion lies with democracy. Uh, I believe that, as, as is stated within the Good Friday Agreement, should both, both sides on both sides of the border democratically um, wish, for, wish for the unification, then that should absolutely be respected by Westminster. There should be no you know, getting in the way or filibustering from Westminster so much as they could. Um, I think it's up for the, for the Irish people, both in the North and in the Republic, to, to decide their future. Yes. Thank you. Jeeves, Henry, your thoughts? Uh, well, I'm also uh, pro-democracy, um, very much so. However, I am, uh, by my family nature, a Republican at heart and would love to see a unified Ireland in the near future. But that, as Alex said, does rest on the uh, the agreement of both sides of the border. Lovely. Yeah, that, that, that is um, that's very, very fair. I, I do think, sorry, just to add, add my little um, contribution here, I feel like the, I was a bit shocked to see the Conservative article um, actually advocating for a united <laughs> Ireland. I think... As much as POI, POI, we're not um, affiliated to political parties as such. The Conservative Party is a Conservative and Unionist party. So for it to be so openly advocating for um, Irish unification, I was quite shocked. Now, I, I do understand, obviously, the Good, Up, Good Friday Agreement is, as the other two have said, you know, is in favour of democracy and it's up to the island. But, you know, that's the kind of start you've got to take, I think. If, if they want, if, you know, we could call a referendum. I think there's, there's grounds for a referendum for a border poll. But to be openly advocating for it as a Conservative, I think, is a mistake. OK, yeah, just just to jump in and just to highlight the differences between myself and my, con- my Conservative colleague, Ema. By the way, I recommend you absolutely read that article. It's fantastic. But for me personally, I would much rather Northern Ireland stay within, within the Union. Um, you know, much like a, a Scottish independence bid. Uh, I absolutely respect democracy, but I would make as best I can all of the arguments as to why... You know, that part of the country should stay part of the country. That's that's just my personal view. Like all this talk of democracy, it asks the question, should Westminster really have a role in the unifying of Ireland? Because since 1921, it's just been issue and trouble and problem with reference to England and Ireland. Thoughts? I think Westminster is, well, based on the recent troubled history of Ireland, Westminster was a necessary broker in terms of getting a peace deal, uh, access to guarantor. So to get the two sides, the Unionists and the Republicans, to come to the table, you need kind of a, not completely independent or in any way impartial, but you did need the power of Westminster to kind of guarantee the Good Friday Agreement. Yeah, and just just from my, my point of view, the first thing that popped into my head was that I think you need a, a, a pro-unionist argument from you know a non-Irish perspective as, as to why Northern Ireland should remain part of part of the United Kingdom. Uh, I, I definitely think that Westminster has a role to play in terms of advocating as to why you know 
Westminster values Northern Ireland. I mean, you know, we'll, we'll probably get into that later as to how they've dropped the ball on that. But why they should value Northern Ireland as part of, 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 the, of, of the, the United Kingdom. I think they should absolutely have a, a part to play in this. You said they should have a role, but with the recent uh, debates with regards to the EU and the, the backstop, does that not make that role more difficult? It's a, it's a very good question. And the, and the, and the EU uh, debate, in terms of the current administration wanting a slightly harder Brexit than the Good Friday Agreement will physically allow for, I definitely think that it's, uh, it's an intractable position that the current, current government is in. Having said that, I think that the referenda, if there are referenda to be held, will be held in a few years' time after, I hope so, after the conclusion of Brexit. Um, and thus there will be time and scope for Westminster to, to, to put a case to, you know, to, to the Northern Irish, um, to the Northern Irish people to, to, to stay within mm. the, the United Kingdom. I, I think, I think we're really, sorry, I, I think we're really underestimating the volatility a little bit of this, of the situation. Like mm -hmm. the, the Northern Ireland, Northern Ireland didn't have an executive as, as recently as 2019. It's, been a problem and it's, it's not in the past it's, it's now it's, it's only now that the parties have been forced to work together the DUP and Sinn Féin to actually deliver for the people of Northern Ireland and thank god they did in time for COVID-19 but I, I do feel like you know it, like, I agree with you guys in the fact that you know issues like the EU have, have caused a, a lot of problems there and it's made us reevaluate Ireland um, but you know there's, there's no reason to think that uh, 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 I mean we, we've seen how divisive the referendum has been here the 2016 EU referendum Doing the same exercise in such a volatile place, I really think could be quite damaging. Mm. Um, and, you know, it, it's a tool that has to be used very, very carefully and in the right circumstances when, when things can be a lot calmer and, and there isn't a volatility and a violence still in the region, which there absolutely still is. You know, I, I just want to pick up on that point from Jeeves. I think it's a fantastic point. And I think it's reflected in the data. More people, both in the Republic and in, uh, and in the North, would argue for um, independence if there was a referendum or referenda. But a lot of people don't want the referenda because they, they recognise that there is this undercurrent within, you know, within Ireland, on the island of Ireland, that, that, that is very, very volatile and it's very recent history. And I think we, we, we would be very naive to, to take this with, with heavy-handed gloves. You're absolutely right. It's not a, it's not a simple discussion of uh, Brexit or economics. This is an extremely emotional issue, which has caused like thousands of deaths on either side and is like significantly pulling on the heartstrings for anyone that has a connection to Ireland or Northern Ireland. And I think that actually, as you said, the opening up this wound will cause a lot of tension. And I don't think it's Brexit or economics where this conversation really lies. It's in emotion and identity and culture. You know, precisely as you say, it's, it's a ranked issue. It's not just a political issue. It's a religious issue. It's a social issue. It's a ge geographical issue. Um, absolutely, as you say, there, there are layer upon layer upon layer of reasons why this, is, this, this could be, be quite an intractable problem. Absolutely. It's the, it's the perfect storm. And it, that's why it needs to be handled with, with great care. Because like I said before, you know, it, things haven't been handled with care in this in, in, in you know, I mean, the, the Brexit referendum was UK wide, obviously, but it has caused a lot of division. And, you know, putting that bomb into, well, I'm sorry, that's a bit of an insensitive um, phrase to use, but putting something so volatile, something so unstable into that situation, I really don't think is a good idea.
Um, I personally don't trust the Conservative government, any Conservative government, to uh, administer a kind of peaceful negotiation of a reunification. As we saw, it's a different government, but we saw when they kind of aligned with the DUP, that was, to some people, a slight on the Good Friday Agreement. It was the English Conservative Party getting involved with the Northern Irish DUP, which is very much against the idea of complete and utter um, non-bias between the Northern Irish parties. So I, for one, don't think the Conservative government are the right people to handle this transition if it were to be uh, agreed upon. That's a very interesting point, uh, not attributing a Conservative government to a peaceful uh, reunification, but is there an argument to be made that it can't be peaceful? Because uh, in the article itself, uh, some key mentions of the different, the quite fundamental societal differences mm -hmm. between the North and the Republic, example being thoughts on gay marriage and um, abortion. Would you care to elaborate? Well, this is a um, this is a conversation. So obviously the dominant party, very slimly at the moment in Northern Ireland, is the DEP, led by Arlene Foster. Um, my personal views on her and her stances that are grounded in kind of a very strict Christian faith are that in terms of a socially liberal society, which I believe we generally live in, she doesn't align with this socially liberal stance. The idea that women in Northern Ireland have to travel to get abortions is scary and personally doesn't sit right with me. Uh, I think there will be um, some work to do to make sure that the two societies can align if they choose to uh, unify, but I think it's something that can, uh, can be conquered. I think just just picking up on that point, sorry. Um, you know, I, I think it's it's marriage um, are in the process of legalisation um, in in Northern Ireland. Um, thanks to well, this is the thing we were talking about Westminster earlier. Thanks to Westminster and, and an amendment that was made in Parliament while um, to to get the the power sharing agreement back on the road. Um, you know, abortion and gay marriage are on track to to be delivered in Northern Ireland, which is which is I think a good thing. Um, and it's something the DUP absolutely wouldn't consider or allow while they were, in, um, you know, um, in charge of the executive. So that's a positive thing. So we're seeing that alignment happen slowly anyway. But I think just on the point back on the, on the referendum, on the unification point that we're you know, discussing more broadly, I really don't think there's been a material shift in, in support for, for reunification. The, the article somewhat references it, but I... I, I there has been a shift, obviously, but not a material shift. I don't think there's enough of a demand to, to see a referendum at this point. But, you know, I agree with, uh, you know, Alex said earlier, I think in the coming years, maybe by the end of the decade, there will be a real demand for it. Um, but I don't think there is one right now. OK, and just just to just to carry on with this, this, this theme of why it might be more problematic than we think is the economic argument. The Republic of Ireland is far more wealthy, you know, I think to the tune of um, GDP per capita of 53,000 euros than the than their Northern Irish counterpart, which is 23,000 uh, euros, give or take a few hundred. That is a big, big issue when you're looking at subsuming a, you know, a big piece of territory within your within your country. It's going to be a big, big strain on already strained public services. And obviously... You know, the political point, the, 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 the national point might supersede the economic point. But I definitely think that it's going to be a thorn, a thorn in the side of, of, the, uh, of, the, of the republics, the republics government. I definitely think they're going to have to think about it because it, it won't be easy just subsuming, subsuming that, especially as their, as their sovereign debt is in excess of 200 mm -hmm. billion euros. Yeah, it, it's a very good point. I mean, it, 
the Northern Irish economy is somewhat of a dead weight. 30% of their um, workforce are employed in the public sector compared to 16% for England and Wales. So we're talking about a lot of people who get their paycheck from the government. Um, this is not something that I feel will deter many Republicans in the South because it's an emotional issue, as I've said, but it is something that needs to be considered. That being said, the Republic of Ireland economy, obviously it's hard to judge in the COVID uh, terms, but has in you know over the past 20 years seen a remarkable kind of surge of foreign investment and has been doing quite well. So it maybe could subsume I, I, the North. That That is a very, very good point. Just to pick up on your, your COVID-19, actually, I had a thought earlier that, you know, with, with the new restrictions with Northern Ireland um, and being in a, a current kind of separate kind of lockdown um, and with talk of Mark Drake, Drake Drakeford stopping people from coming into Wales from certain areas of England, I really do think that potentially this COVID-19, the separation of, of lockdowns across the United Kingdom cause a bit of a, an upsurge for, for support for independence, just because it's it's another barrier. It's another difference that we've got there. And I, I think that could make a real difference to people because they, they will see that, you know, we, we are we can do things differently. We will do things differently. Uh, and then just another point to add to that. We saw at the 2019 general election that the Alliance Party had a massive upsurge. They went up from, what was it, something like 8% to 17% across Northern Ireland. And the DUP saw a downfall and so did Sinn Féin. So we saw in 2017, both those parties did very well. And then suddenly in 2019, there was a, there was a backwards kind of swing. And now we're, we're looking at the Alliance Party getting a lot more votes than they've ever had before. And, and they're, they're, um, they got um, a, a seat in Parliament as well, which is fantastic. So I think we're actually seeing an appetite for compromise rather than radicalism, which is, I think, only a good thing. Um, but it'd be interesting to see where that ends up and, and where we kind of end up with that. Mm -hmm. You know, is it going to be a classic border po poll or is there going to be some other solution that c crops up? Yeah, I'd just like to I just like to carry on, carry on with that point, essentially. I my sneaking suspicion is that the the union of, uh, of the United Kingdom, it will dissolve at some point. And I think obviously we've you know, the SNP is, is a different topic. The, the independence referendum for Scotland is a different topic. and We're not going to talk, talk about that now. But I think one of the uh, one of the inevitable things within Northern Ireland is the demographic changes and the demographic changes to the tune of the rising proportion of Catholics that are um, traditionally unionist, obviously, with, with, with the Republic. And I think that this is a, this is a force that will just accumulate over time. And I think eventually there will be a, a unification of the of the entire island. Uh, to add to that, there's also been in recent years, there's a almost a brain drain of young people from Northern Ireland, uh, unionist families to England or Scotland to study at university. And once they have made their base in the uh, in the in Britain, they tend to stay put and they don't go back home to Northern Ireland. So as we see this brain drain carry on, as it has been for the last 10 years, that will continue to decrease the population of politically active, politically motivated, um, politically intelligent, uh, young Northern Irish people from unionist backgrounds. That is a, a very, very good point. But and, and just to kind of um, roll back to, to Alex's point on on the SNP, I, I, you know, as much as it is a separate issue, it is very much interlinked. And, you know, I think we've got to think of new ways like unionists need to think of new ways to 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 save the union at the end of the day because at the moment you know we've, we've had a referendum in scotland that hasn't worked there, we're now having this whole podcast to discuss the possibility of a referendum in in um in northern ireland and we're seeing growing um nationalism not um anywhere near um you know the, the levels in scotland but we're seeing growing nationalism um through plaid cymru in wales so 
is that is this a time to talk about a new some some sort of new solution some sort of federal settlement a new radical way to do devolution is there a way in which we can stay as a union but fundamentally change the way we do things it'd be great to get your thoughts on that actually that's uh, my thought my thoughts sorry or either of your thoughts okay well as essentially on the scottish question i've i've written about it before on on the website and i personally think it's economic suicide i think that the the one advantage that the Northern Irish have over the Scottish is that they would be leaving the, the UK to join a reasonably strong economy. Uh, and the, the Republic of Ireland has a reasonably strong economy, good infrastructure, uh, you know, good, good high tech, high tech industry. So they, they have that going for them. But I think if you, if you look at the way the, the, the die is being cast at the moment, the SNP is in, is, is in an extremely strong situation, especially with the catastrophe that has been the, the current ne negotiation of Brexit I think the, the tides are turning towards republicanism in, in, in the north of Ireland. And I think if both of those leave, oh, I, I can honestly see Wales going as well. Perhaps that's extremely pessimistic, but I think, I think the time of, of, of Britain is, uh, is limited. I mean, you, you've called it economically naive, but I mean, recently the UK, which was, has just uh, decided to stray out on its own following Brexit in some sort of weird twisted idea that Britain is the best country in the world and can do whatever it wants. So if we're taking this same step, then it makes perfect sense that the other countries who have more of a emotional national identity argument behind them as well think maybe we can do this. Northern Ireland joining the Republic would then become and stay part of the EU, which I think could be a massive pull for a lot of people in terms of economics. Obviously, personally, they can all get EU passports through their having been born on the island of Ireland. But in terms of economics, being in the EU right now might be a very attractive proposal for a lot of people. Exactly. I, I second that. And I, really, I that's why I think the Northern Irish position economically is far better mm -hmm. than the Scottish position economically. That's my point. I, I'd completely agree there. OK, so going back on the topic of the Union and Britain and maybe the Union being uh, under siege, as it were, do you think a uh, unification of Ireland would trigger maybe referendums again in Scotland and one in Wales and, a sh as you said, nationalism in these countries? Absolutely. Well, if I if I can just jump in there, I, I I don't think unification would be the first thing to happen. I think it'd be part of the sequence of events somewhere, but I don't I don't personally think that unification would be the the first kind of step in that sequence. I think mm. it would come from Scotland probably first, and um, something radical, something because Sturgeon is in a bit a bit of a bind at the moment. She she needs to take some sort of action, I guess. It, you know, we'll see with the results of the election next year in Scotland um, and what happens there. But I feel like it's going to lead from Scotland and then potentially kind of spill over into the rest of um, the United Kingdom, as Alex says, and just end up in a potentially nightmarish scenario where uh, the United Kingdom is just England um, before Cornwall leaves. And then, you know, there's bits and bits and pieces. So, you know, I think also there's uh, with this idea of further devolution, kind of paving the way towards reunification, the uh, unionist elements within Northern Ireland are not keen on extreme devolution because at that point they're no longer really part of the uh, the part of britain or the uk every time you place another step away another power away they become more and more their own country which is kind of at odds with what a lot of them want yeah i, I think that's a really interesting really interesting point to make and i definitely think the body of water between the two islands is more than just you know a geographical point i think it's symbolic and i definitely mm -hmm. think it's politically salient i think you know because scotland and england you know uh, edinburgh and westminster are physically attached 
there might be something there. But as you say, more devolution, obviously the, the history is very different and that body of water and the current predicament with the, with the border of the EU. I think Northern Ireland might be the first to go. I agree. We talk about like the trade between the UK. Obviously, it's free. If you're a shipping company or a lorry company up in Scotland trying to get things down to London, it's a, it's a road. You can do that. We're talking about a body of water. We're talking about having a border with the EU, which we've just left. There's going to have to be checks on the border. I don't know what the government are doing with their negotiations, but they don't seem to have a, have a lid on it. So there will have to be a border at some point, some border checks. Thousands of people cross that border every day for work, to see family. If you put border police, border checks in high numbers, it will result in problems. It has done historically and it will do again. I mean, you, you both make very, very valid points. And I, I think this conversation has highlighted the need for unionists to think very creatively about what we're going to do, because you know, the unionist, um, you know, yeah, the, the unionist camp is, is firmly within the Conservative Party. You know, Labour have been very lukewarm about the whole thing from the beginning. Um, you know, as soon as they started losing support in Scotland, that was kind of it for them. And they need to be more proactive for sure. But, you know, the, the Conservatives are just burying their head in the sand. And, and I really do not see how they navigate the next few years. Because as, as has been said before, the arguments that Scotland um, and, you know, Sinn Féin use in Ireland and, and Plaid Cymru use in Wales are the same arguments that Brexiteers mm-hmm. used when it t- came to the EU. So they can't then turn around and say, well, you know, that's wrong because the, the emotional argument is exactly the same. So, you know, I, I really do think that Conservatives need to think creatively about new solutions to, to, to save the union. And Labour need to start being more proactive and deciding what they're actually going to do because Keir Starmer's already been slightly um you know all over the place on the issue of, of, of another scottish referendum and he hasn't really given a, a, a clear answer which has been quite disappointing to see mm. and yeah i definitely think obviously with with the slightly different economic uh, situations you know that the project fear launched by the mechanisms of westminster the only thing they could really talk about is the slightly better public services in in the uk um as opposed to as opposed to the Repu- republic but that's kind of it they do have the EU. We will not. We don't know what we will have. Perhaps we will prosper. Perhaps we will not. So I, I, I really second that. I don't think the establishment has any project fear that they can that they can harness against this very emotional, very visceral kind of um, thing on the side of the Republicans. No, I mean, I think yeah, a large part of this as well is that Northern Irish history, Northern Irish culture, the idea, even Irish culture, is so massively under. Uh, ill understood in the UK generally many of the people in charge at at Westminster at the moment many of the people in both parties who are London-based people have no idea what the culture what the people of Northern Ireland need or want because they're so detached from uh, that society that they can't possibly weigh in on it in any kind of helpful way That, that's a very good point. I think that's more of an argument for localism and more devolution, despite what, what was said earlier, but not just in Northern Ireland, across the UK, because there are plenty of communities that have no, that, you know, that, that yes. the Westerners, the bubble don't understand. And, you know, we've seen that over the last few years and that we've had this, you know, we're all aware of the arguments there. But, you know, maybe it's time to think about a new way to, to you know, devolve powers, not just to the, the four nations of the UK, but within England, too, and, and within the regions of, of the United Kingdom. Well, you all keep coming back to this theme of it being such an emotive topic that really impassions people. But no matter the result, a significant proportion of 
the Republic and the North's populations will be dissatisfied with the result. Do you think there's any democratic processes to help believe this? Or There is the obvious option that some people suggested we should have had for Brexit, that it needed to be 66 or 60% of the population, but that's directly contradictory to the Good Friday Agreement, and to start picking apart that would have terrible consequences. I think what's most likely to happen is Ireland itself and Northern Ireland are very community-based, and what you will see is the Northern community, if they do... Uh, unionise uh, with the Republic will stay largely in their own communities, will stay as Protestant or Catholic dominated areas they will stay in the north, I don't think many of them will migrate south so I think that will be their, their way of dealing with it will be to say okay this is the political reality we're in, we are part of the, north, uh, the south now, we have all the benefits of being part of the EU but we will stay in our own communities And yeah just to just, just to comment on a kind of an establishment point. Obviously, I'm part of the, the Conservative Party of Point of Information. One thing I would like for the Conservative Party to do, if it was in power, would be, even if Northern Ireland was, was uh, taken in by the Republic, I would really like um, I, Irish and, and British really... Sorry, I'm not explaining this very well. I'd much rather better relationships between the two, really close ties, close you know, economic and, and social and political ties because of that shared history. Now, obviously, it's a very contentious history, but I think over the Northern Ireland issue, if it was to become you know, part of the Republic, I think then the, the new Republic and the, you know, what's left of Britain should, should become closer. Yeah, I, I, would, I would second both of those points, but, you know, I just think there is a, a hell of a lot to, to get on with and there's a hell of a lot on the government's plate at the moment and this is nowhere near the top and it really should be um you know i think in normal times it, it may have had more prevalence and more salience in, in the government's agenda but it, it really it really didn't you know so we shall see for, but for someone you know for a party that calls itself the conservative and unionist party they are really letting down the unionist side and i think it's largely to do with the fact that you know, the, the, the bulk of Tory members don't give a toss about unionism and would happily see England independent from the rest of the United Kingdom because they think it's the best. And, you know, that's that's another argument, I guess. Yeah, I must, I must admit, it is somewhat disappointing that we haven't heard or that I haven't heard really anything from 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 the leadership about about the, the Northern Ireland question, because it is a huge question and it's becoming ever more salient every single day. And obviously, COVID is, is huge. Obviously, Brexit is huge. But there is space. There is time for an equally huge um, topic such as such as Northern Ireland, such as the, the existence of, of the UK. Yeah, agreed. I think we can all agree that the, the uh, political turmoil that we've faced the last five years, there's, there's a lot more to do. Yeah, absolutely. It will carry on for many more years, unfortunately. Well, I think on that unanimous <laughs> agreement between all three, that'd be a good place to end this podcast. I'd like to thank thank our panellists again. We have Alex for the Conservatives, Henry for Labour and Jeeves for the Liberals. Thank you. Thank you very much.